Good morning, everybody. I wanted to just quickly remind you, if you love B2B SaaS and you're loving all these CEOs I have on, remember, you can get all of their data in a big, beautiful spreadsheet at gitlatka.com. That's G-E-T-L-A-T-K-A.com. So I hope you're enjoying the month. I love December. I love the holidays. And here is our program for today. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Jeff McQueen. He is an Aussie that now finds himself in San Francisco due to his company called Excella, which he launched about well, almost nine years ago. We're going to jump into the full story today. Jeff, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, let's go. Good. All right. So tell us what Excello does and what's your business model? How do you make money? Yeah, no, great question. So Excello is a platform for running the operations of a service business or team. So imagine you're an architect, accountant, designer, engineer, consultant, somebody who who runs that kind of a, a service business for other customers. And you've got the fundamental problem uh, that you you know keep having to do more. Um, technology speeds up the way the business runs, but you're actually often having to use technology that's really out of date, like spreadsheets and, and a, a litany of things that don't talk to each other. And so what Accelo does is we use the cloud and smart automation to actually make it a lot easier to run that operation, to know fundamentally what happened today. So you've got a hope of knowing what's happening in the future. And we started it together about six years ago. Um, we got it out into beta. And I moved here to the Bay Area while we're still. Who's we? Uh, myself and three co-founders. We all worked together in my last business. Um, we were we were colleagues running a professional service business. Um, we knew how much it sucked. Uh, well, like an agency or something. Yeah, just like that, man. Just agency business. Um, customers from smaller businesses up to Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet back down under. And uh, yeah, frankly, we're we're just realizing how. It was hard to run a business without the right tools. And you could get individual tools that did part of the job, but actually running the business, none of us could tell you without going on a law and order investigation what the hell happened today. Give me a specific give me a specific example though. So like at an agency they have an issue with this because if they're billing per like human hour, it's hard to necessarily like do the tracking. Are those the kinds of problems you're solving? Yeah, it's actually probably a meta level above that. So what's in the pipeline? Then what projects does that convert into and how do you make sure the promises that got made up front in your sales process actually reflect what the heck you're promising you're going to do in a, in a team perspective? How busy are people? You know, you look into an agency and look over in the corner and go, oh, there's Tom. What did Tom do today? Like, you got no idea. And while there's timesheets out there that are kind of pretty painful, no one likes them. It's hard work to, to keep up to date. Um, most of the, the fundamentals of the technology have been relying, have been assuming you can take smart, creative, uh, emotional, inconsistent, um, special human beings, which you all are, and turn them into robots and machines, and therefore magic would happen. Um, and so whether it be timesheets or project delivery or billing or utilization, all of this stuff was just so fuzzy and variable, and it really is. We're not changing the fact that it's variable and nothing goes according to plan. What we actually do is we've got smart technology that uses a lot of automation 
and adapts to the reality so that you can run that business with confidence instead so, of so give me an example give me an example well, before you give me a customer example how do you make money is this a SaaS product yeah SaaS product per seat per month we charge about two bucks per person per day um and generally if a SaaS, if a professional service business is charging their people out at 150 bucks an hour we make money back for them in less than a minute like it's the math's really compelling what are you instead of doing per seat per hour just tell me like the, what's the average customer paying you per month would you say the average business yeah the, the average business it varies depending on size of course but the average customer the average seat is spending about 60 70 bucks per seat per month okay so 60 70. got it and 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 when you say variability that means you know sometimes people are buying five seats or 500 uh partly that but also you can buy pieces of what we do so let's say projects is the thing that you're really obsessed about and it's driving you crazy right now but you don't have a retainers part or a service to, like a, a reactive service part of your business. You can buy just the projects piece and pricing for that starts at 19 bucks per seat per month. So, you know, it basically varies depending on what you want, but most of our customers are buying our ServOps product, which is this new category of technology we've created, which really is a harmonization and, and bringing together of what you need to do when you're managing pre-sales and quoting, when you're managing your project delivery when you're managing your time billing and also critically when you manage your utilization and your scheduling. So you can actually see what the hell people are working on. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, what or how many seats on average is a company paying for when they sign up for you? Yeah, on average, we've got eight people are the, the size of the companies that, that use our product. So we've got everywhere from one man bands up to literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people across multiple continents. Uh, the product itself scales really beautifully. So you have two levers you just kind of shared with me in terms of driving expansion revenue. One is growing team, the amount of teams using you, so seat number seats. The other is you have actual product layers you can put on top. Are there any other utility-based metrics you drive expansion revenue around? Not at this time. Um, there's certainly a lot of things that we could pull levers on in the future, but they're not really, you know, they're, they're more of a thought bubble at the moment, which has had some preliminary work. Um, what we've realized is that, you know, there's just such a massive opportunity. The sector we sell to, professional services. Um, so again, those architect, accountant, engineer, designer, consultant type folks. In the US alone, it's more than 20 million people working in that industry. It's the largest employer in the private sector in the US by far bigger than healthcare, bigger than education. Um, it's one in six people. And these four folks, like the average company size is less than 10. Um, only you know less than 1% of the businesses have more than 500 employees. And so what it means is that the big guys like SAP and Oracle, who kind of came to, came to power by automating and streamlining and, and trying to give systems to run operations for the big end of town, they've just ignored this massive, massive, massive market. Um, and what we're doing is we're bringing, you know, basically cloud, both from an infrastructure and an economics point of view to bear so that anyone can afford to and benefit from. Stuff. Yeah, Jeff, no, I get it. So what uh, have you bootstrapped this or have you decided to raise capital? We've raised two million dollars. Uh, we did that in the middle of 2015. And we actually, um, as we record this, just about to announce a nine million dollar raise. Uh, so that's uh, what's so interesting. 11, about 11 all in. 11 all in. And what's interesting about the nine is we raised that. Um, in the same quarter, we got to profitability and we've really been, you know, while, while that's 11 all in for most of the time, it's, you know, been off just that, you know, a little bit of angel money and then a seed round. So we have followed probably more of the DNA and execution model of a bootstrapper rather than the Silicon Valley, um, funded behemoth. And what's your team size today? How many full-time people? R right now we're at 60 people, uh, about one, six or six, zero, six, zero, about a third of those are in, uh, sorry, half of those are in Australia. 
And that's where we do our product engineering, design, operations. And then we've got the other half here in San Francisco where we do marketing, sales, and client success. Yeah. You're, you're in two, I was just in Sydney. I mean, you are in two cities in the world where housing is ridiculously expensive. That's true. That's true. We've got a little bit of an advantage that the Australian team is not far outside of Sydney, but still outside. So, got it. You know, for, for Americans, uh, probably the we're in a college town. And so for Americans, I describe it as like Ann Arbor by the sea. Yeah. So imagine a, a top tier college town that just happens to be on, you know, beautiful beaches with uh, a cost of living that allows people to, to, you know, be able to walk to the office um, and that sort of thing. So you founded five years ago. You've got 11 million on in funding, 60 people across two major cities. What are you at now in terms of customers you're serving? Uh, we don't disclose exact customer numbers, but we're in the thousands. Okay. So can we, I mean, we can generally say between a thousand and 10,000. Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. Okay, good. Above a thousand, but below 10,000. That's good stuff. Um, and then take me back, obviously in a SaaS company, one of the things we like to focus on the show are kind of how CEOs are thinking about economics and what levers you're pulling, right? So in a SaaS company, obviously churn is the first thing you have to like get under control and make sure you have a sticky product. What are you guys at right now in terms of annual logo churn? Uh, we have negative net churn um, on a revenue basis. How negative? I mean, we're talking negative like 105, 110, you know, 110. Uh, we, if we didn't sell another dime of, of new MRR um, today, in 12 months from now, we'd be another, you know, sort of 10% bigger than we are. Got it. So you've got, we, we can say then, another way to say is you can pretty predictably uh, forecast 10% expansion revenue across your current customer base, no matter what you do in the next 12 months. Exactly. And what's interesting as well is looking back through some of the cohorts, um, you know, we see we've seen 20, 30, 40 percent expansion over the first 12 months. Um, and that's almost all organic. Our team right now is, is frankly focused very much more on client success through implementation, training, support services um, than it is around renewals, upsell or any of those classic levers. Yeah. Um, so, we're, you know, we're not doing anything. In fact, we're, we're almost being like negligent about trying to drive those numbers even higher. Put it all um, together though for me. So you have 20 to 30% expansion in year one contract value, but you know, take out your churned revenue and then add in new customer revenue. What, what, what is your net negative revenue churn? Uh, it ends up being about 10% a year. Got it. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty damn healthy. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's like a, a super aggregated group. Um, what's interesting is as a bootstrapper and you probably appreciate this from, you know, your own experiences and talking to folks, um, you know, the product that you had when you sold someone on it two years ago was a much more inferior product than you have today. And so, um, so yeah, certainly it's, it's good and trending in the right direction. And then give me the logo churn annually or the logo retention annually. What's it above? I don't have that number off the top of my head. Um, but it's, it's, it's not huge. We do, we break our customers and that's an interesting insight in terms of levers. We break our customers into two categories. There's the self-service category, and then there's the qualified or sold to category. Um, and, I think that's actually really good advice for other SaaS founders to do as well, particularly if you've got a model that does have the online trial self-service model, um, is, is really break your segments up. We've only got the two segments, but in the future, we'll have a bunch more. Um, really break your segments up and think about issues like CAC, um, churn rates, all that sort of stuff based on different, different personas. Um, I highly, highly recommend that. So if we just look at your no-touch persona, what are you spending on CAC on those folks? We got a customer payback of about eight months at the moment. Okay, um, okay, so. got it. And and I, I mean, earlier you said that uh, earlier you said the average customer is paying you call it you know for eight seats or you know about three thousand eight hundred forty bucks would be eight months worth of, of of revenue. So you're spending about three four grand to acquire those customers. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, yep. and where are you spending that money typically? 
Um, we're spending it in a few different ways. When we actually value or look at our CAC, we don't just put it into what we pay, spend on paid acquisition. We're actually layering in not only all of the sales sal- salaries and the marketing salaries, but also 50% of our success team overhead. And a well, few just to be things. clear, this is your no-touch cohort, right? So you're 3,800. There shouldn't be salespeople on that, right? Oh, sorry to clarify. Well, um, in terms of the eight months payback, we've got a similar number for the no touch as well as the um, to the uh, ones that we have AEs involved with. Got it. Got so it. So that 3,800 is fully weighted. You're taking all your sales, all your marketing, plus any paid spent on Google ads, dividing by new customers that month, and boom, 3,800 is the, the number. Thereabouts, yeah. Interesting. What percentage of the 60 people that you, or how many of them are in either marketing or sales? Um, so we've got, I think, 12 people in marketing and sales combined. Maybe it's 13. Okay, got it. And then, okay, so $3,800 CAC, um, eight month kind of payback period. This is obviously very, uh, how do I say this? It's less math and more art. It's more CEO driven. What do you assume lifetime value is on one of your customers? It's ridiculous. Um, I'm trying to remember the numbers. It's, it's if it's one over churn, the numbers, uh, trying off the top of my head, but it's, it's like five, six years. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's hard. The numbers it's hard. Kind of product that, like we're the system of record for their work. So if you think about it, you've got like a system of record in HubSpot for, for what you do in marketing. And then you've got often a system of record for sales, like CRM type stuff. We're the system of record for operations. So we, we're like totally the backbone of the business. We don't have much downtime, but I'll tell you what, even if we have a couple of minutes, the phones ring off the hook immediately. Um, as I don't know if I mentioned it, but we have like 80% of our monthly active users are also daily active users. And of those, of those, you know, people who are daily active users, well, how, what, what are your, what are, what is that number? What's your daily active user number? Um, we don't disclose the actual number because effectively that's like, Hey, here's all our customer account. Um, so, but the percentage is 80% of our monthly active users are also daily active users. And those people um, spend on average an hour a day using the product in terms of session length and engagement. Yeah. I mean, look, to put just a minimum on this, because I want to give you credit, right? I mean, you said between 1,000 customers and 10,000 customers. So if you have 1,000 customers and you said an average company has eight seats, that's 480 bucks a month at least, right? We're talking minimums here. 480 times a grand, you're making at least 480 grand per month, potentially as much as 4.8 million per month if you're up closer to the 10,000 number. I mean, that's a fair range, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. What are you, so, so something interesting, I mean, this kind of reminds me of like a base camp, but it sounds like you do a bit more than what base camp does. You're less generic. Um, what is like the one thing you've got to get a new company who signs up to do in the first seven days that will rat it like really directly correlate to their stickiness? Yeah, there's a few different vectors. Um, generally, it comes down to connecting the systems already using. So what Excello does that's really special is we'll actually automatically synchronize with their email, their calendar, their address book, their accounting system. So Zero, QuickBooks Online, QuickBooks Desktop, um, their marketing automation, HubSpot, for example. So we'll actually sit in the middle as a bus. And what's great about the way that we've approached it, and, and I sort of got to this at the top of our conversation, where we're about recognizing that the, the businesses that we help have smart, creative people who the last thing they want to be doing is filling in 20 spreadsheets, right? They, no one got into the business of being an architect to sit there and update Excel or to fill in a reporting system to make a CFO happy. That's right. So, so we've actually, where we've had so much success that guys who've tried to solve this problem, because this isn't a new problem, guys who've tried to solve the problem before and failed have largely been because they expect you know, sort of the, the, the mountain to come to them instead of them going to the mountain. And so what we do is we let our users and encourage them to connect to the systems they're already using. And then we become this intelligent automated machine that sits in the middle. And then they just have to give it a little bit of a, a an update here, an update there after the fact. So for example, we'll automatically fill in somebody's timesheet. 
Um, and that comes from doing those sorts of connections. So yeah, it's like sign up, all right, connect your Google account, connect your Office 365 account, connect your Exchange account, whichever one of those it is, you do that. That's key. Um, and it goes from there. Why did you decide to do the current, I mean, you said you're profitable. Why did you decide to do the current $9 million round of funding? Uh, it's really to accelerate the process. Um, you know, we've got, you know, thousands of customers, but there are millions of businesses, businesses that have this problem. Um, and that's just using the count of the, the industry size in the US. It's not even including, you know, the rest of the rest of the professional services, which is dominant in the Western world. Like, you know, coming out of the Great Recession here in the States, 28 percent of all new jobs are created in the sector that we serve. It's crazy. And, and these poor folks are just, you know, driving like they're driving down a winding mountain road with the windscreen blacked out, yep. um, using a rear view mirror of their accounting system to tell them whether or not they, they made money last month and wondering why they what they just ran into. Was it a guardrail or have they gone off the edge of a cliff? Um, so we want to solve that problem for those poor guys. CRMs might be the tool that I fight with the most. I just haven't found one that I really liked. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they're just so tricky. And a while ago, I had a guy named John Lee on my show. He's the CEO of ProsperWorks. And he told me they just passed 40,000 customers and 24 million in annual revenue. So they're doing about $286,000 in revenue per employee. And I said, wow, why is this working? And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I went to prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM, signed up, and it immediately became clear why it worked. Those of you that love growth hacking, you should go to that link just to see how they do the onboarding. That's prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. In short, it's like magic. You know, I'm not the guy that, you know, finishes the sales call and then takes the time to actually put data into the CRM. They have this magical way of just doing it. And it's a beautiful thing. So every morning when I wake up, I just go, okay, what leads are ProsperWorks telling me to reach out to because they're most likely to close and it works so well. And you guys know I love money and I love only focusing on the leads that are gonna close. So I encourage you to try ProsperWorks or sponsoring the show. Check them out at prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Folks, that's again, prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. So fast forward to the end of the year, you, Tara, your whole team of 60, you're cheersing and toasting because like you hit the magic number. I mean, are, like what's your, what's a goal that would like in, in terms of AR that would just get you pumped? Is it like 20 million, 10 million, a hundred million? Like what would get you excited? Honestly, it's not an ARR number. It's getting the machine right. So I didn't yeah, focus- but kind of quantify that for us. Come on. That's hard. To, it's hard to tell a goal. That's, that's that generic. Usually tie them out to it. For us, it's about growth rates. And it's about growth rates at the front of the funnel and growth rates at the bottom of the funnel. It's not about the end number. It's about the machine. So quantifying that, we want to get our, you know, inbound leads up by f- to 15% month on month growth. Uh, you know, and they're not far from that now. So the marketing team's doing well. Obviously, then getting the machine in place and having the machine scale, we're only five AEs, couple of SEs, right? So it's still a small team in that scale. Um, so ramping that up. Same higher. number on the bottom? What's that? Same 15% number on the bottom? What do you mean That's by ramping intent, up? Yeah, what do you mean I mean, by ramping up the bottom of the funnel? Yeah, the intent's to the actual intent is to make the funnel look more like a tube. Um, you know, we've got a product that solves a really, really, really clear problem for people, um, and so it's really about you know um, getting out of our own way and helping them both through you know making the product easy to use. It's a it's a big promise. It's a big product, so it's not easy to do. So there's a lot of improvements we need to make there. So we want to drive the top of the funnel, but we also want to make the bottom of the funnel um, drive at the same rate. Um, by improving a whole bunch of the, you know, making it less of a funnel and more of a pie. Driving what at the bottom though? I mean, are you talking like like just new logos or new revenue or what? 
Oh, I mean, for us, it's really about the, you know, the bottom is MRR and yeah, we basically just want to, you know, we can improve what we do from a sales perspective. Um, we can improve what we do from implementations perspective. Like we're not standing still. So when you use the analogy of going from a funnel to a tube, a tube's top has a smaller opening than a funnel. I believe I'm understanding your analogy correctly. So, but you said you want to grow up by 15%. So I'm confused. Sorry to clarify, it's still going to be a funnel. Not everyone who signs up to try the products handing over their credit card the same day. So I'm being facetious. It will still be a funnel. Um, the difference is that we want to make it less of a funnel that has a really wide top and a really narrow bottom and where we put a bunch of leads in the top and then only some of them convert at a, at a small ratio. We actually want to increase our conversion rates. And so that's really the drive. on the Yeah. Machine. So, but by saying, I just want to make sure I understand you clearly here, cause I don't want to misrepresent you. So you, when you say you want to expand the top by 15% you want to make the opening of the top bigger, but you also want to increase conversion rates throughout the funnel so that the whole thing expands. That's right. Yeah, yeah, got it. No, that makes and sense. And I don't know where the top end of that list is, um, you know, but we're not really benchmarking ourselves off anyone else because what we're doing is, is, you know, sufficiently contrarian and different. Like nobody, when we were early fundraising, everyone's like, you guys are crazy. We're not backing this. Uh, so what we're doing is, is definitely contrarian. And uh, yeah, we just keep optimizing and iterating and improving what we're doing. What, uh, Last question here before we wrap up with the famous five. What's a weird thing you've done to acquire customers? Something something not normal. Um, honestly, nothing comes to mind because I think my sense of normal is kind of warped. Um, okay, give me so. something that's not inbound, paid spend, uh, free acquisition, word or word of mouth. Yeah, I mean, integrations is a pretty common one, um, and we've done a lot of that work. Uh, my poor engineering team. Like one of the downsides of having a, a co-founder and engineer is his CEO. And even though I'm supposed to be focusing on marketing sales and success, I still, um, to much of their chagrin, you know, commit code. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically one afternoon, um, we were doing an integration or we had a bunch of inbound leads that were clearly an opportunity and it was a strategic thing, um, as opposed to being something that would tactically move the needle that quarter. And so I just built the integration as a POC on a Friday afternoon. One of the funny things about building a, a startup on the West Coast of the US is Friday afternoons are really quiet. East Coast has, has gone to the pub. Uh, England's recovered already. They're already drunk. Uh, and the Australians are recovering from a hangover. And so you basically got this, this uh, you know, you're at the tail end of the week and for the entire world. And it's kind of peaceful. Um, so yeah, someone Friday afternoon. I'm How like, many integrations do you have currently? Oh God, it's got to be like 20. Uh, it's a lot. And do you um, make, once you spend the time to integrate with partners, do the partners then market for you? Or like, how does that drive you new customers? It's it's all about co-marketing. Um, no one's going to kind of get out of bed for you. Um, you've got to put the hustle in and the effort. And we're a, we're a startup that's, that's still emerging, right? So we turn around to someone like, you know, our great friends over at HubSpot. And we, we, we say to them, hey, you guys got 20,000 customers um, or 30,000 or whatever their latest number is. I haven't checked it. Um, and we say, we want to do something together. And they're like, all right, cool. But, you know, you've got to do the work there, right? Um, and that works out pretty well. But, yeah, that Friday afternoon, I just basically built an integration. Um, we're still using it today, for goodness sake. Um, so, yeah, that's an example of something that's a bit uh, un unnatural. That's good. No, I like that. Uh, have you guys broke the $10 million ARR mark yet? On our way. On your way. So close. You think you'll hit it this year? I don't know. Come we'll on. See. You're smiling. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. All right. Let's, let's wrap. All about the machine, mate. Let's wrap up. <laughs> I hear you, man. Let's got a market as big as ours. I'm not getting bent out of shape about, you know, whether or not we hit milestone A or B and when we hit it. Um, you know, we've got such a massive market. We just need to make sure that our machine is, is the best in the world. And 
our economics continue to be tremendous gross margins with really great customer acquisition. What is tremendous gross margin? Like, are you above 85, 90%? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Let's wrap up with the famous five. These are just easy one word answers. Number one, what's your favorite, what's your favorite business book? Ah, uh, shit. Um, and I knew you were going to ask this and I'm, I've been trying <laughs> to think about it. The one that I I really liked reading recently, um, is called play bigger. It's by three fellas who are out of the Bay area who've been through the machine and got chewed up and spat out a bunch of times. Um, I heard it first reviewed as being, if you like the, the, the appropriate sequel in a, in a sense of, you know, startup um, wisdom to Eric Ries' Lean Startup, which itself was a sequel to The Four Steps to the Epiphany, um, both of which I thought were tremendous and, and you know, definitely on my favorites list. And I think Play Bigger has been able to sort of take that, that same um, torch and carry it forward really effectively. Um, so anyone who's, who's watching this who's entrepreneurial will get into it. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Not particularly. Um, instead of choosing a particular CEO, I tend to work really broadly with communities of CEOs. Um, Name your favorite. I mean, you can't, it's hard to go past Elon Musk in terms of taillights to chase. No, no, no. Name, name your favorite community of CEOs. Oh, there's actually a couple. So here in the Bay Area, there's, um, I don't even know what they call a mailing list, but it's basically this private mailing list that is a bunch of CEOs. And they've also got people who had sales and people who had success um, of, of advice. Um, and like I said, I don't even know what it's called. It's just this thing that someone tapped and said, All right, hey, so we'll, we'll say no for your favorite CEO. You've got a lot of different much. people feeding your, your ecosystem. Too much, man. Too All much. right, number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? Um, I love Zoom. I think Zoom is my favorite particularly recording this on Skype is reminding me how much I love Zoom. <laughs> Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, about five to seven. Okay, good. So we'll yeah. say average six there. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? Uh, married, kid on the way. Oh, congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. And how, how old are you, Jeff? Uh, what am I now? 38 now. All right, last question. Take us back 18 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, I actually ironically feel like the the best thing my 18 uh 20 year old self could do is is um remain ignorant um i think that's part of the reason why starting startups and starting your first company is something that is often correlated with people being young um because what you don't know will actually help you to to move outside of pattern recognition um as well as do stupid things that you know Every, every amazing successful company started as something that a lot of people thought was stupid, us included. So, um, yeah, I would, I would encourage uh, the embracing of the impetuousness and the um, ability to live uh, responsibility-free and, um, and just hit it. There you guys have it from Jeff. Be a little bit more ignorant and just hit it. Founded his company, Excello, back in 2011 with his buds. They're now 60 people between Sydney or between Australia and the States. Again, helping professional services companies really manage their product, uh, manage their business, manage expenses, get insights into the company and what they're doing. Serving well over a 1,000 paying customers. Those are companies with an average of eight people per company or, or seats using them. Uh, well over 480 grand per month in monthly occurring revenue. Uh, super healthy revenue expansion per account count at 20 to 30% in year one, negative net revenue churn of, uh, you know, negative, you know, 10% ish, super healthy CAC to LTV ratio, again, growing fast, $11 million raised. Jeff, thank you for taking us to the top. Cheers. Thanks very much.